Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. Uh, I would normally say that I'm here with Dave Deckard, but Dave had something going on tonight and was unable to be here. So at the last minute, uh, I'm here with Josh Rodriguez, who is our producer um, and has joined me on the show before. Josh is a producer for Uninterrupted, which is, I know, I know LeBron James company. I know how we all feel about the Lakers here, but Josh is a good one. So he's here. He also has his own podcast, The Dime with Josh Rodriguez. If you are an NBA fan, which I'm guessing you are, if you're here, I highly suggest checking out his podcast. He covers the whole NBA. So if you're kind of trying, like if, if the Blazers are what you know, it's a good one to jump into and, and kind of get some knowledge of some other players, of some other teams. Josh keeps it light and funny and easy to listen to. And it is one of the podcasts that I am sure that I listen to consistently. So Josh, thanks for joining me last minute. How are you? What's up? Dia, how are you? Nice to see you. <laughs> Josh and Dia, part two. Let's do it. Did I say that, that you that you were on here one time before? Yeah, you did say it one time before. This is the second time around. I'm getting a little comfortable now, Dave. Time. You know, got to be a little weary of your spot, Dave. I'm coming, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> did I say that you produced the show for us that you edit? Did I say that? I can't even you did, remember. Do you, do you, are, do you okay. listen to yourself when you speak? Do you know what's going I, on? <laughs> it's not that late. It's nine o'clock. Nine o'clock is, is a late night for me. Yeah, your I, brain um, has went to sleep already. <laughs> my brain went to sleep my brain i don't know went on somewhere that is not in my in my head so this should be fun oh god here we go um so <laughs> we are we are jumping in it's um episode what is this 47 i think i think, I think we're on episode yes. 47 which is wild because there we do this once a week so we've done it for 47 weeks and there are 52 weeks in a year for those of you who didn't know that. Um, wow. So, a little lesson for you tonight. There are 52 okay. weeks in the year, and we are on week 47. A little quick math here. That means we are five weeks away from a whole year's worth of podcasts, which is just, it blows my mind. It's wild to me. Um, it's impressive, especially because you and Dave have not taken a week off. Like, even on weeks like this where Dave couldn't make it. You know, you have me, I come in, and then there was a week where you weren't there, and he, he still did the podcast. So to do a podcast consistently through a year, every week, be this reliable and this consistent, trust me, it is a very difficult thing, and you and Dave deserve a lot of credit, for sure. I appreciate it. You know, it was one of those things where when we started this, we didn't really know where we were going or how this was going to go over, and it's just, it's turned into such a fun thing, and I'm really grateful that we've got almost a whole year under our belts. It's falling kind of weird. We were just talking about this, Dave and I, the other day about season two and when do we start season two because is it after a year? Because we started, because of COVID, like the season is a little yeah. off. So 52 episodes is actually going to be like already, we will have already started the season. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to officially start season two here pretty soon. Uh, you don't even have to have know. a season two. Just go, like with my podcast, I just <laughs> label and number the episodes. I don't have, I don't know if I'm in season three or season four of my show right now, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I it feels no like if, 
it feels like if you know if there's a new basketball season, there should be a new David Diaz season. Okay, I don't know. Fun. I'm just thinking, and right. and that's where we're at. We're coming up. It's preseason has started officially. Blazers basketball was back yesterday. For those of you listening and hearing Josh for the first time, if you didn't catch his episode before, he is not a Blazer fan. He is a not a Laker fan, so we're okay there. He is a New York Knicks fan. They're you know in the Eastern Conference, so we're we're gonna go ahead and give him a pass there. But the one thing that I will credit Josh, well, I'll credit Josh with a lot of things, but the one thing specifically that I'll credit Josh with in this case is he is a fair judge of NBA players and teams. He's he's not, I don't think he's biased. Even though he's a New York Knicks fan, he can be very realistic and look at, at things probably more realistic than I can. Probably. And so... Probably? <laughs> The queen of rainbows and unicorns, and you're telling me I probably can be more realistic than someone who believes in rainbows and unicorns? I mean, borderline negative, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I guess being a New York Knicks fan will do that to you. Oh, please, yeah. So, we, we've kind of converted him, though. He's he's slowly coming over to the Blazers' side. I, uh, I've i seen him wearing a Damian Lillard t-shirt. There's rumors that at some point he lost a bet to me and will be uh, wearing a mellow jersey, which is something so no comment you're gonna edit this out aren't you <laughs> no i'm not gonna edit it out but just no comment <laughs> so anyway with the preseason starting that's obviously going to be the biggest topic tonight the the preseason has started we're getting real close to starting the actual season which i can't like that blows my mind that we're that close i have tickets to the blazer clipper game that's going to be october 25th because I am in L.A., for those of you who haven't caught on to that yet. I live in L.A., and so if I want to watch Blazer games, short of going to Portland, I have to wait till they come to Los Angeles. And so they're playing the Clippers on the 25th, and I cannot wait to get in that stadium and watch those Blazers play. I am really looking forward to it. So, preseason. Josh, did you watch the game? I did watch the game. I watched most of the game. I wouldn't say I watched all the game, but I watched most of the game. I want to hear your take, for though, first. You're, you're the Blazer fan. This is your podcast. <sighs> You go for it. What What did you think? What did you like? What didn't you like? Actually, let's go first. What did you like? Okay. So <laughs> I just need to start this by saying I'm so freaking excited that they're playing again. Like, there's a <laughs> part of me that just like I see someone in a blazer uniform on a court with a basketball and I'm like, we win everything just because they're <laughs> on the court. I'm so stinking excited that they're back. It's hard to be mad about that. Like it's, it's, I don't, I know some of you guys go into this season and you're like, well, this is wrong and this is wrong and we're not looking forward to this and they did this wrong and they did this wrong. And I'm just like, yay, blazers. <laughs> so I don't know how people watch this and just are so mad, but I'm excited. Do you get like that with the Knicks? Like when the Knicks come out, are you just like, you're jazzed? Jazzed. <laughs> um, That's maybe the worst choice of word considering <laughs> that there's actually... <laughs> Yeah, I are got you, confused. Are you psyched? Are you... You had me thinking about Donovan Mitchell for like two seconds. I got confused. This year, I, the Knicks played today, and I was excited to watch it. Like, I, I had it, an alarm on my phone, game starts now, and I turned it on. I wasn't, like, overly excited and, and giddy to see the Knicks take the court, but, you know, we do have Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier this year. There are expectations for the, on this team for the first time since I was, like, 12, so <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a new season, so... I am happy. I, I do yeah. get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. There's an excitement. It's it's your favorite thing. It's your favorite basketball team. It's your favorite thing to do, watch Blazers basketball. So you're excited for it to be back. 
expectations do not matter for preseason game number one. Well, and I also think, too, that this is the first time since COVID that this has felt like there's some degree of normalcy. Now, I know that we're not completely back to normal. I know there are still some things going on. But for the most part, you know, we're starting a full season and with the full amount of games and we're starting with fans in stadiums, the full amount of fans. It feels like there's some degree of normalcy here. And I think um, unlike last season, that that's, you know, that's a, a new thing, a new thing. I mean, we've obviously done this before, but since COVID, like yeah. it's coming back and that feels really good. You know, getting to watch them run into a stadium of fans, even in preseason, like it's just, it's really, it feels good to feel like things are maybe a little bit normal right now. So that's exciting. It's interesting because our starters are essentially the same. We've got, you know, Damian Lillard we had last year, CJ McClellan yeah. we had last year, Norman Powell we had half of last year, Nurkic we had last year, Robert Covington we had last year. So our starters are pretty much the same. You know, we had a few off-season acquisitions, the big one being Larry Nance Jr. We've got Tony Snell who did not play because he was injured. Norman Powell went out partway through the game with an injury. Cody Zeller ended up essentially breaking his nose in the first preseason game. Like I feel Blazers like halfway are in through mid-season the season form already. Mid-season God, form of the Blazers. <laughs> halfway through the season, halfway through the season, we're all yelling, "Stop hitting the Blazers in the face!" We haven't even started yet, and someone's got a broken nose. Like it's a little ridiculous. So, my take on this preseason game. What did you like? First and foremost, I liked. And not everybody's going to agree with me. I've seen people on Twitter not agreeing with this already. So I know not everybody's going to agree with this. But I liked that they seemingly played more defense than we're used to. Um, Was it enough defense? I don't know. But it was better. It was better. And it wasn't even consistently the whole game, but there were flashes of it. And I feel like in a preseason game where ultimately the score doesn't matter, what you're looking for is how they play, how the players play, how they mesh together as a team what kind of defense they're running, what kind of offense, they're, what what they're doing is what you're looking at. And I liked seeing the flashes of that that I saw. I felt like the guys, even the guys that we had last year, I felt like their defense was better. I felt like they were moving. There were times where they were everywhere. And I was so proud of them because it was like, they're not just standing and waiting for someone to take a shot. They are moving their feet and getting their hands. And, and I appreciate that. Even those simple things on defense. We obviously saw turnovers both directions, which... One way is much better than the other. Um, But that was good to see. I also really liked seeing that they did not rely so much on their three-point game. They seemed to move in a little bit more, and and they weren't just shooting three-point shots the entire stinking time. We saw more action in the paint than we normally do. That was good to see. So I feel like this is not the same team that we saw last year. Obviously... We're going to see some similarities because you have a lot of the same players. But I do think that maybe we're going to see some differences due to a few changes that were made and coaching. I'm going to leave it at that and ask you for your opinion. And then we can go back because I've just like rambled. So what do you think as a Knicks fan who is very objective? Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll use that word. I'll go with what I liked. Okay. We'll do that. We'll go what we liked and like. What I liked, I liked Anthony okay. Simons. I liked what I saw from Anthony Simons. He seemed like his game matured tenfold. I mean, yes. he wasn't perfect, don't get me wrong, but he was aggressive. He was looking for his teammates. 
I think he just looked like a completely different player, if I'm being completely honest with you. I'm not saying he's a stud. I'm not saying he's an all-star. But there was something about him yesterday where he just seemed to be more aggressive. He seemed to under- to see the floor better and make better decisions with the basketball, and that was very impressive. So for me, if I'm a Blazer fan, that's the one thing I'm taking away was, was Anthony Simons. Aside from that, <laughs> what did I like? Stop it. That can be the only thing. There's I mean, listen. 14 other people. Okay, this is what I've liked. I like that their their offense was a little less predictable. You know, they tried to go to Nurk early. He didn't yeah. really do much with the basketball, but I do have faith that Nurk will be able to do things going forward into the season. They'll have sets for him. They were running actions on ball screens, off ball screens, on the wings, which they typically don't do. Pick and roll games, and I, it was just different. It was they were cutting. It was it was a different, more more movement, and they probably will have a more diverse offense. What worries me about the Blazers offensively is that you have Dame, CJ, and Norm. You're going to have to get some type of offense from someone else. And I think Nurk is going to be that guy, which is why Chauncey wanted to establish something down low to start the game. Didn't work out too well, but I think it'll it'll be fine going forward. I know you said that they didn't rely too much on the three, but I did see a lot of ill-advised three-pointers from from a lot of people. If I'm going to take away any pauses, definitely Anthony Simons and definitely their offense is changing, but I do think that it's good change. I don't think it's a bad change, but when you have one of the best offenses to lead to begin with, you don't want to change too much, so... If I'm a Blazer fan, that's what I'm looking out for a little bit. Yeah, you know, Anthony Simons definitely uh, came out and and played, which is really good to see because I think he's someone, he's in his fourth year now, I believe, which is wild when I think about that. But he's somebody who I feel like for the last couple years, I've just waited for him to explode. He's been right on the verge of that, and I think we started to kind of see some of that last season. And so to come into the season and see him pick right back up where he left off and continue. It was, it was to better than where he left off. Improve. That, yeah, no. For me, it was better. You're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. As far as like IQ and just looking like a point guard, that was the best game I've seen from Anthony Simons. I know it's saying a lot because he had this one game where he hit like seven threes. I remember that game. But like, I'm just talking like strictly like as a floor general, controlling the offense, making the right decision, setting up your teammates. That's not something Anthony's ever done. Whenever I watched the Blazers, at least. And I saw that from him yesterday. If I'm a Blazer fan, I'm confident I have a backup point guard right now. Yeah, for sure, which is not something we've felt super confident about. I mean, minus obviously C.J. McCollum, but you don't necessarily want somebody from your starting lineup to also be your backup point guard. So it's nice to have somebody where you feel some confidence in him. Nasir Little is another one that I'm really excited about. I heard some kind of Matt reviews about that game from him. But again, we have to remember this is preseason and, you know, it's if you're not seeing what you want to see from the team, it's not crucial yet. You know, this is a team that hasn't played together yet. Some of these guys are new with an entirely new coaching staff working. Not only are they running different offense and defense and whatever than they're used to, they're also having to adjust to a whole new style of coaching. And it's not just the head coach, it's the entire coaching staff. They're adjusting to that. You know, obviously they've been practicing, they've been, you know, getting ready for the season, but this is the first time that they're out playing against someone who isn't also part of their team. And I think that preseason is always kind of an interesting thing because I think it's really easy as fans to see a preseason game and start to panic or start to feel really confident, depending on which team you're looking at. But that doesn't always translate into the actual season. So... No, you're right about that. I mean, and this year he wasn't good yesterday. I mean, just to be completely honest with you, he was actually really bad. But I do like him going forward. And to your point, there's no time to panic. It's one preseason game. You don't know what you're going to get for the rest of the year. And I think he's going to be a big part for this team going forward. He has to be if, if the Blazers are going to be any good. I want to point out for a second 
Greg Brown's very first NBA score. <laughs> An alley-oop. Man, what a way to go in. Like, what a way to start your NBA career. One day when you look back and you're like, hey, this is the first basket I scored as an NBA player. Like, if you miss that dunk, the team has posted it on social media. Go look it up. Go watch it. It was fun. It was a fun one to watch. And then he had another one a little bit later. I feel like he's got some potential to be fun. You know, this was a, a pick that we bought. We weren't expecting it. He was a, a late pick. But I think he's, you know, he's not going to be a superstar right off the bat. But I think if he gets some playing time, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, I don't know much about his game outside the fact that he could jump through the roof. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see what he brings. I'm not sure what he brings defensively. I'm not sure where he would fit in the rotation, but he's definitely athletic. And for a team that needs that, I, I think he could be very useful. You know, the Blazers are interesting. They're a team that's not really tall. They're not really athletic. They're just, I think Dave might have said this in a, in a previous episode. They're just a bunch of guys who are skilled. Like, they're a very skilled basketball yeah. team, but they're not tall. They're not extremely athletic, and he brings athleticism, you know, to a team that desperately needs it. So I wonder if Chauncey's going to find some time for him, but I don't think he'll be getting any burn, at least to start this season. But it's it's nice to know he's there. And I think, too, like, he, of course it's fun to see Dame do Dame things. Danny had a great tweet about this, Danny Morang. He, he basically said, Damian Lillard comes in for a few minutes and scores, like, nine baskets right off – like, he, that's what Dame does. Dame comes in and he does what Dame does. And it, whether that's preseason, whether it's not, that's what he did. And so it's, of course, it's you get hyped seeing that. The other one that I think had a really fun game was C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum, man, you know, we talked so much about, you know, if we trade him or we don't trade him. And I even got into that a little bit. Like, hey, maybe it's time. Like, maybe we should look at other options, not because I wanted to let go of CJ, but simply because what the heck do we do? We don't have a lot of options and he was the option, but five minutes of watching him play basketball with this team. And I do not want him going anywhere. He is so fun to watch. His game has improved just in the last couple years. It has improved so much. He is such a good ball handler and he's so much fun to watch. And, and his scoring is go. I mean, he's just, I love CJ McCollum. I really, truly do. And he gets the short end of the stick a lot because one, if you're going to trade someone, we don't have a lot of options. And two, he's playing backup basically to Dame. And Dame is, I mean, not backup because that's not exactly the right way to phrase that, but he's playing second to Dame. And I think, you know, when you have a Damian Lillard, it's really easy to put cj mccullum to the side but man he deserves some credit yeah especially offensively i mean he's just a walking bucket i texted you i was like cj's ridiculous offensively he's yeah. ridiculous i mean he can get yeah. to any spot he wants he can create any shot he wants and that's a rarity to have you know i'm a nick fan we didn't have that until last year with julius randall and even before that it was like okay <laughs> five years of just incompetence because we don't have anybody who can create off the dribble and CJ is someone who can do that. And I think Blazer fans kind of forget that it's, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches because you have it with Dame and now you have it with CJ as well. And it's like, you, you kind of forget what it's like not to have that. And you have two people, <laughs> but CJ to me, I mean, yeah. the problem with CJ and Dame is it's not so much that they don't fit offensively because they have no problem fitting offensively. The offense has never failed with them. It's always been defensively and it's a shame. Yep that they can't work out because they're both too small and really can't stop people from getting into the paint. 
I love CJ. I would love to have him on the Knicks because I don't think he fits well with the Blazers, but enjoy him while you have him. Wow, those are fighting words. It's not fighting words. It is what it is. It is what it is. No, it it is what it is. Like, it's one of those things where it's like you could be two nice people, but doesn't mean you should you should be married, right? Dame and CJ could be two incredibly gifted basketball players, but you know, on the defensive side of the ball, it it's too much give. You can't have two small guards allowing that much penetration into the paint because it's going to kill your defense. And it's what's happened, you know, time and time again with the Blazers every single year. And it's sad because I like them both, and I think they both are tremendous basketball players, top 25 players in the league. Yeah, they really are. I'm anxious to see what happens this year. I'm hopeful that we see some miraculous something that makes it so that this works. Because I like Dame. I like CJ. You are absolutely right in that we are really lucky to get to watch them suit up week after week after week and play week after week after week. They're fantastic. And if you watch any single one of their games, they're incredible. They are incredible basketball players. Nurk is another interesting one to talk about. There was a lot of talk going into the season about how he was going to be used differently. Um, and they seemed to give that a shot. I don't know that it worked. Again, though, this is preseason. It's the first time. Maybe if they do it more, it'll work better. I don't know. Nurk is our height. <laughs> we need him. We need him to be on. We need him to be doing his job. And I, and I think I also think Nurk has a history of, of getting a little bit of a slow start. So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he's just kind of having a slow start. Again, preseason, I keep reminding myself, like, it's literally been one preseason game. It's hard to sit here and say, like, this is how it's going to be this season because it's been one preseason game. So obviously we're just going off of that and not a full comprehensive picture. But Nurk, it it didn't fully work. In the beginning because they forced it to him and it was just kind of like, let's get Nurk going. (laughs) No other option. But he hit two threes, which should be celebrated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Look, Nurk is another one that's really good. He's a good basketball player, and he was one, again, that was an unexpectedly good basketball player. Nurkic wasn't the guy that we traded for. He came along in another trade, and we ended up with him, and then he kind of flourished in this situation. And with Dame, and, you know, there's that's been no secret. They've talked openly about how that has been a good friendship and a good pairing and how that's pushed Nurk. And, you know, he had a relationship with Chauncey from Denver and was really excited about the new coaching. And, and so I'm hopeful that we're going to see some things brought out in Nurk that we haven't seen before. And he's just going to continue to improve. You got to love him. That's the thing about this team is like, you love them. You love the team itself. It's hard not to root for them. I love Nurk's game too. I mean, he had a nice pass to Powell going back door. And, you know, I think that's where if I was Chauncey, I would use, utilize Nurk more in his playmaking ability. He's one of the best big men passers in the league. Use that. The Blazers, to me, they have creators like CJ and Dame who can create for themselves. And Dame, every once in a while, will create for others, but it's more driving and kicking for three. You know, get something going to the basket, and you can bring Nurk out into perimeter and have people cutting off of him and and doing things where he can find the open man. If if I see more sets of that with the Blazers, I think that can make their their offense a little more dynamic, and that's where Nurk can really thrive. You know, his value isn't necessarily scoring 20 points, but creating some type of offense with the ball in his hands for others as well. He's good for this team. Um, yeah, so absolutely. hopefully, you know, this all shakes out and they can kind of figure out again, we're working with different coaches and different ways of doing things. And, and I'm hopeful that that's going to translate into something good. One thing to point out, as much as I hate to point out the struggle and the bad, I'd much rather focus on the good. 
our defense of the three <laughs> was not great. And that's something that we have always struggled with. You know, we struggled with the last couple years. We, we don't defend the three well, and uh, we give up shots. And, you know, a team like Golden State, who takes the three um, and shoots it well, that's a problem. And it was a problem for us. So they, they've got to figure out how to defend the three better. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? And this is what I was saying with tots, tots right? A lot of tots. <laughs> with tots. Little tots. With Terry, it was like, you can blame Terry all you want for defense. If you don't have the players who can rotate on defense, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, the Blazers right here in, in the first game, they seem to be a little more aggressive, you know, with the ball handed on a pick and roll. But once the Warriors make a pass, one or two passes... And the rotation breaks down, and the Warriors have an open three. So I agree with you in the sense where I think they were trying harder on defense, and I think they were a little more aggressive, especially in the pick-and-roll situation, but their rotations are still terrible. And this is one game. I'm not going to make all these judgments off of one game. But going into the game, I was like, all right, let me see how the Blazers play play some defense. And to me, until they fix that, they're still going to be a, a terrible defensive team because one pass here, two passes here, and especially in the West when you have all these point guards who can make plays— they're just going to give three after three after three, and that's the one concerning thing with me with the Blazers. I, I think they they tried hard on defense. You saw a lot of hustle plays. They were diving on the floor for loose balls, and that was encouraging to see. But a couple plays, and they break down. A couple passes, and they break down. And that was really concerning to see because that's been their Achilles heel ever since I've really started watching them play. Yeah, I mean, I will say, basically, I'm going to echo what you just said, that we saw more from them than we have. You know, I'm not used to seeing them hustle like that, and dive on the floor and there were there were points yeah. where it was almost chaotic because they were all over the place and the ball was going back and forth and they weren't just giving it away which was it was great it was great to see that hustle and again i'm hoping that this is going to translate and that we're going to see going forward that this is something as they've practiced they get better and as they put it into play they get better and we see improvement i think it was chauncey that said something about the fact that you know, we have one of the top offenses in the NBA, and yeah. we were, I think, the worst defense, maybe 29th, 29th or 30th. We were at the bottom of the defensive realm. So if we can keep our offense to the degree that it was, and we can boost our defense, we don't even have to be the best at defense. If we can get it to a mid-range, if, if we can be 15th in defensively in the league, if we can be 15th defensively and third offensively, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a team that's going to be a competitor. So if if they can get this under control and, and really figure out how this goes and, and, and pull it together and put those things into practice that it seems like they've been working on, that can be a, a good thing for us. That can be a really good thing for us. So I'm hopeful that those little flashes of that that we saw – are going to, moving forward, be more than just flashes. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, because the Blazers, it's really just been defensively. That's really what it's been. It's been defensively for them. And, you know, Chauncey has to figure out some type of scheme defensively in which they can rotate better. Because I'm not, I'm not really sure if you're going to get this team rotating in the way they should be. The way basketball works, if one guy's off, that's it. Forget it. The, ro the rotation is done. It is gone. And it takes five guys being on the same page, 
at the same time, just because you have Robert Covington out there, who's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, does not mean that your defense automatically improves if the other two people on the backside aren't doing what they're doing. You know, it's going to take some time. You know, this this defense might be terrible to start the season off, but if Chauncey has a scheme and they buy into it and, and it finally clicks, you might see this team improve, but it's, it's going to take a while. I think out of the gate, the, the Blazers are going to struggle defensively, but they are definitely trying, and that shows that they can get better. So there's my optimism with all of it. Yeah. I think also another point of optimism is Larry Nance Jr. Uh, we kind of touched on him, but just to focus on him for a minute. He wasn't a huge game changer in this game, but I think we saw his potential. He's fast. His game, the way he thinks and the way he plays the game is fast. He's athletic. He just seems to kind of go at a different pace than I feel like we've had. And I think that that's going to be a really, really good thing for us. You know, Cody Zeller is another one that I feel like before he got hurt, he's solid. You know, we had Inez Cantor who who has, he's great. I'm not downplaying him. But this Cody Zeller is a different kind of backup center, and I think he's going to play well into what we have going on. The problem with Cantor is there were some lineups that didn't play well, specifically when you had Cantor and Mello both on the floor. It was not a good combination. So stepping away from that and, and putting Zeller in there, and obviously we don't have Mello this year, I think we're going to see some good from that as well. I, I was happy to see what I saw from, from him. Yeah, I actually think the Blazers' second unit is going to do pretty well defensively, which I think is going to be a strength of this team. You know, obviously Dame going to the bench, and who knows how Chauncey, you know, staggers those minutes between Dame and CJ and Norm, who would probably be their perimeter scorers. But when you have Larry Nance coming into the game, he's really good defensively, and he's athletic. And, you know, Nasir Little is athletic, and he can be good defensively. I think the second unit actually might be the reason why this team is a little better defensively this year than they were last year. Because even though they might not be able to score the ball like the first unit, they're not going to give up what the second unit gave up last year. I mean, Cantor and Melo are basically yeah. turnstiles on defense. And let's just say Ant's struggling from the field and Nasir can hit a jump shot and, you know, something's not going right offensively with the second unit, I still think they'll be able to keep the score close or keep the Blazers in the game until Dame gets back in because they seem like they would be a comp, not, not great, but a competent second unit defensively. And to me, that's the biggest difference between the biggest positive difference between the two teams from this year and last year is that the second unit, although it doesn't have as much firepower as last year, they're better defensively. And I think because of that, you're not going to see like these violent swings in the games that I'm used to, at least when I watch the Blazers play. They'll be up 15, and then I'll go to the refrigerator to get a Pepsi, and I sit back down. They're up by three or down even. Yeah, that's that's a really solid point. You know, we would struggle <laughs> when when that you know that second unit would go in there. It was like it was like one step forward, two steps back. The first string would get in, and they'd score, and we'd be ahead. And then you put the bench in, and it we would lose that momentum. And so I think even if all they do is maintain that's going to be an improvement. So I think you're right. I think if we can if we can manage better defense anywhere, we're in better shape than we were. So I think that that's, that's good to see. Any other thoughts on that preseason opener that you want to? No, no, nothing necessarily. I, I think the Blazers are a good basketball team. I think a lot went into the fact that Dame seemed like he wanted out for a little bit so a lot of Blazers fans and a lot of the media panicked as if he asked for a trade and if Blazers were this trash team because they lost in the first round to the Nuggets 
When in reality, this is a good basketball team. They just need some fine-tuning. They might need another player or two at the deadline um, to bolster the roster, but this team is, is a good team. They're a playoff team, and if they can get their act together defensively, I think you know they might surprise some people. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think I think that that's a really good point that you make that this is it's nice to have a voice outside of Blazer fans because of this exact thing. Like I think when you're a fan of this team, it's really easy to get caught up in certain things and I think that's one of them. You know, we have really solid talent on this team. Really solid talent. This is not a team that you, you know, totally write off. Like They've got some potential. And so I and I think it's really easy to forget that because we get down on, you know, how things ended last year and then all the stuff with Dame, like you get so caught up in that that you forget that really like we have a lot of talent. And this same roster at the beginning of last season had well, the part of it that's the same, had me thinking we were gonna win a championship. I mean, granted, I think we're gonna win a championship every year and even halfway <laughs> through the season when we aren't winning all the games. So maybe that's not a great judge, but you know, I, I think it's easy to get down on it and, and you're right. This is a good team and, and it's nothing to, it's nothing to shake your head at. Every year they survey the GMs of, of all the teams about a bunch of things. And it's, it's kind of interesting if it's not something you've looked up before, we we have a link to it on Blazer's Edge. You can go look it up. But it's interesting because, you know, I mean, these guys kind of know what's going on. They they know the teams. They know the players. They're familiar with what's happening. <laughs> Why are you laughing? They kind of know what's going on. They kind of know the players. Well, I mean, <laughs> our GM is questionable. So, you know, but it, there's there's a little bit of knowledge here. So. It's interesting to uh, to see what they say. I'm not going to go through all of them because they aren't all Blazers related, but I would suggest you go look it up if you're into this kind of stuff because it's interesting. But they have the Blazers ranked at eighth place, which um, is not bad. It's not bad uh, for Western Conference, I should say. This is Western Conference. They have them ranked eighth. So they have Lakers first, Utah second, Phoenix third, Denver fourth, Golden State fifth, Clippers sixth dallas seventh and then coming in at eighth is the blazers i would disagree with this i think we'll come in higher than that but of course i'm gonna think that well, um, who, who would you put the blazers over on that list I hate when you ask me questions like I, I mean if they're gonna be higher they have to be over somebody i think dallas they could be uh, above dallas i think they could depending on the year the clippers have you know Kawhi's hurt they could be over the clippers i think golden state is coming off of an off year, I think they could take Golden State. So I, I think there's potential there for them to be even as high as fifth. I, I think that's realistic. I agree with that, actually. Wow. <laughs> Wait, somebody, this is being recorded, right? We have yeah, this recorded? I don't, okay. I don't think... I don't think they're going to finish fifth, but I think your assessment of what you just said makes a lot of sense. Kawhi's going to be out for a while. We don't know when he's coming back, and I think a Blazer team without comparing them to the Clippers without Kawhi, it's perfectly feasible to me that they finish with a better regular season record than the Clippers. I think they're better than the Mavericks. 
I know they this GM poll has the Mavericks 7th, but I don't believe in the Mavericks. You can't sell me on them right now, especially with Jason Kidd going over there. And in my mind, Jason Kidd's one of the worst head coaches we've seen in the past decade or two in the NBA. He's replacing Rick Carlisle, who won a championship. I don't believe that he's going to make that Mavericks team any better than they were last year with the fact that they didn't add anybody to that roster. So I think they're better than the Mavericks. You can make an argument that they'll be better than the Clippers without Kawhi. And we don't know when Clay's coming back with Golden State. I'm I'm way higher on the Warriors than a lot of people are. I think if Clay, Draymond, and, and Steph are back together, that's basically the nucleus that started a dynasty, and you cannot ignore that. <laughs> I think they're a very dangerous dark horse team in the West. But for regular season purposes, if Clay doesn't come back for a while and they're playing a 500 ball like they did last year, why not? The Blazers can finish with a better regular season record than the Warriors. So I do agree with you there. I think fifth is not impossible. Although I would right. have them seventh. I would have them seventh in my if I were to do it. I was just about to say I really like that take, and then you just took it down to a place that I didn't like <laughs> I just created a little bit of a window, that's all. Is that what it is? Is that what we're yeah. calling it? A, a window? Yeah. Hey, listen, I thought the Knicks were going to finish like 14th in the East last year, and they were the four seed, so you never know. I Like I said, I, without actually saying it, Josh skews a little negative, but you know I'm we call that negative. realistic around here. I'm realistic. Everyone listening right now, listen to what I just said and was like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's not negative. No. I, I, have you met Blazer fans? Negative would be... The Blazers are missing the playoffs. Listen, everybody, you're fooling yourselves. This is not going to work out. Dame is leaving y'all. I didn't say any of that. None of that. That's negative. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I wish there was video for this podcast. Um, okay, next question. Well, not the next question, but the next relevant question for this podcast particularly is uh, they were asked, who is the best point guard in the NBA? Have you read this already? I saw some of it, yeah. Have you seen the answer to this? Yes, I have. Okay, then I'm not going to ask you what your guess is. Uh, number one was Steph Curry. He received 57% of the vote. Coming in at a very close number two with 17% of the vote was <laughs> our very own Damian Lillard. But but that's solid. That's solid. You know, I don't think that we're arguing that Steph Curry is not the best point guard in the NBA. He's, you know... He's incredible, but I do think that Damian Lillard comes in a solid second. Behind him is Luka Donk Donkic. Donchik. Why can't Donkic. I ever say his name right? You said it right Thank the first you. time. Thank you. This is an interesting conversation that Josh and I have had before because I constantly mispronounce names because I'm used to reading them. And I don't know if you guys do this, but like when I read books and things, I do this too. Like I read them a certain way in my head, even though I know it's wrong. And so then when I go to say it out loud, my brain is so trained at reading it the wrong way that I say it out loud the wrong way. But then when I say it out loud, I know I said it wrong. Then I try to correct myself. And this is a little view inside my brain that you probably didn't need. So wow. Luca coming in <laughs> number three with 13%. Uh, number four, LeBron James with 7%. Tied with him for fourth and fifth, I guess, is uh, Chris Paul also coming in at 7%. So I take a little bit of pride in the fact that, that Damian Lillard came in above Luca, LeBron, and Chris Paul. As a point guard, yes. As a point guard. Yeah, I mean, Dame, you can make a case for Dame being second, absolutely, for sure. I, I think the fact that Steph wasn't unanimous, number one, is a travesty, and I would like to know who these GMs are. Don't give me that face. Steph is far and away the best point guard in the league. It's not close. Actually, I hate when people say it's not close. It's close. Dame and, and Steph are comparable, but Steph is the best point guard in the league. He is. And it's no disrespect to Dane. We're talking about the best shooter of all time. Arguably a top 15 I, player of all time when it's all said and done. I'm just saying you can't have a unanimous anything ever. It, it just happens. It doesn't happen. It Not doesn't. in the situations like this. 
Well, Dan um, getting as much as much as he got is is a very big nod and a very big compliment to Dan. It is. It is. Yeah. And I think that I think that that's, you know, that is a testament to how good of a player Dame is. And I think that we sometimes take that for granted. Dame is fantastic and we are getting to witness history uh, when we watch him play. So that's really cool. Which team made the best overall moves this offseason? Uh, mm. The Portland Trailblazers were not number one in this category. No, no. The number one was Tony the Miami Snow? Heat. No. I'm sorry. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> we like him. Uh, Miami Heat was number one with 47 percent. Los Angeles Lakers with 17 percent. Brooklyn Nets seven percent. Houston Rockets seven seven percent. Washington Wizards seven percent. Why do I bring this up on this podcast? Because also receiving votes was the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> I want to know which. I bet you it was Neil, Neil. Olshay. Neil Olshay is like this was our <laughs> that we had the best overall moves this off season. Oh my! I goodness. wonder if it's one of those things where you're allowed to vote for yourself because should we just I, like on these where also receiving votes it was definitely Olshay. I don't think you are allowed to vote for yourself. I think someone as a prank just did that. That's a that has to be a prank. There's no way that's real. I don't think it's no a prank. No disrespect to the Blazers. You're telling me that there's a GM with that kind of sense of humor who's going to be like, oh, I'm going to vote for the Portland Trailblazers. That's that's the only explanation. The only explanation. Or Neil. I think it was Neil. It, maybe it was Neil. Neil, show yourself. <laughs> Let us know. Neil. The fact that the Bulls and Knicks were not listed on that is a travesty. Okay, so they received votes. The Bulls received oh, they votes. Did. The Knicks received votes. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma Thunder, City Thunder receive votes, and the Phoenix Suns receive votes. So basically, half the league received votes, but the Portland Trailblazers also received votes. And I just—it was this Neil. is not a Knicks podcast, Josh. So I didn't just point saying, that out. I'm saying if we're <laughs> going to compare off seasons, when GMs are like, "Hey, who had the best off season as far as like off season acquisitions?" and you're going to say the Blazers did over teams like the Bulls and Knicks, that's when I insert my Knicks into that. All right. Well, here's an interesting one. What was the most underrated player acquisition? Have you seen this one? No, but I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. You want to take a guess who was number one? Larry Nance. He was. Larry Nance Jr. was the number one most underrated player acquisition, getting 28% of the votes. Larry's good. He does a lot of things well. He's very active defensively. He's very athletic. He does not need the basketball to be effective. As you saw yesterday, he had a solid game, and I don't really think he had anything in the box score. So I don't blame the GMs for casting that vote because I do think Larry's going to be very valuable to the Blazers. I agree, and I think you nailed it with with that. He's been very vocal about the fact that he doesn't want to come in here and be a star. He no. wants to come in here and back these guys up and make it easier for them and contribute. And I think we're going to see that outside of just the box score. The box score tells one story, but watching a game, you get a totally different story. And I think we're going to see that with Larry Nance Jr. I think he's going to make some moves and do some things that are going to really help the team. And I think you're right. I think he was an underrated move. I think he's, you know, and I think part of what plays into that is Portland fans were over here thinking that we're going to get Ben Simmons or some big name because of the things that were said by Dame. So Portland's all over here thinking, hey, like we're going to get LeBron James and then they get Larry Nance Jr. And so everyone's like, wait, what? But I think you're right. I think he's going to be fantastic. And I definitely think that that he is he is an underrated acquisition. He he reminds me, but um, he is a blazer to me. Like his personality fits Rip yes. City. He he's a blazer Absolutely. in every sense of the world. I think Portland's gonna love him. 
Absolutely. That was one of the first things I said when I found out he was coming and I started kind of looking into him a little bit more. He just absolutely fits with the culture of, of this team and of the fans. I think he's going to be fantastic, especially because he wants to be here. I think that's really cool. Here's a, a side note because he is no longer tied to the Blazers, but Eric Spolstra is somebody that in Rip City we have lots of admiration for, and he got 55% of the vote for who the best head coach is in the NBA. He was number one. 55%, yeah, and I I would have guessed it would have been Monty, but yeah, he came in with number one with 55%, and number two was Monty, but with only 17%. Wow, so he so, ran away with it. Yeah, he really did. The interesting thing about Spolstra, too, is that when LeBron went to Miami, there was talks of him being ousted by, like, basically Pat Riley, and they didn't know if Spolstra was the man for the job, and it could have easily been like, oh, LeBron's here now, we underachieved in year one, it's year two, we don't know if we're going to win a championship, let's fire this guy and bring Pat Riley in and, and get someone who can do the job, and if they did that, this man may not even have a job right now, which is so weird, right? He's, he's voted as the best basketball coach in the league by the GMs, and one decision because of people overreacting, could have ruined this man's career. But instead, they stayed with their guy, stayed on course, and look at him now. Voted as the best coach in the NBA. Shout out to him. Good for him. I feel like that happens a lot more than we talk about. Like those, you know, things get things happen and people talk and things get stirred up. And, and in just like one quick moment, somebody's career is changed. Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. But yeah, it's it's really good to see him doing well. I'm really happy for him. Yeah. Um, and then we go through, you know, which head coach makes best in-game adjustments, which head coach is the best manager of people, which head coach runs the best offense, which head coach has the best defensive schemes. And of course, our coach is not on those lists because he's never been a coach before. <laughs> um, it was interesting because leading up to the first preseason game... There's a little interview that happened, and he was quoted. This is not a direct quote. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he was quoted as saying, this NBA preseason game that he is the head coach of is the first basketball game he has ever coached on any level. That's High insane. school, AAU, college, anything. Nope. Skip those. Went straight to the big leagues. NBA game, first game he ever coached. So... I mean, he handled it, so I'll give him that. But but he is not in these votes because nobody knows what the hell to do with him because he's never been a head coach before. However, that leads us to which new or relocated head coach will make the biggest impact on his new team. Number one, you want to guess? Is it Chauncey? No, it is Rick Carlisle in Indiana with 64%. <laughs> um, he is also not number two. He is also not number two. He shouldn't be. We don't know what he's going to be. Yeah. Number three was Jason Kidd. We won't even get into that. Also receiving votes, however, was Chauncey Billups. Um, so I, he was definitely in that conversation. How, how, do you, how do you know that? You know, I mean, obviously we don't know what he's going to do, but I think just the fact that Portland made that move um, and switched out the coaching, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that. I get so. it. And, yeah, I mean, and, and Chauncey's respected around the league. He was a floor general when he played point guard in this league, and he's won a championship. And I think a lot of people think that stuff carries over, but it, it doesn't. I mean, we have no idea what he's going to be like. None. 
You say it all the time. He could be the best thing we've ever seen or he could be the worst thing he's ever seen. I don't know why I said it like a politician. I feel like <laughs> there's no in-between with him. I feel yeah. like he's either going to be fantastic or it's going to crash and burn. Like, I, I really think that there is not going to be an in-between. I'm really, really pulling for fantastic. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Who is the best assistant coach in the NBA? You want to take a guess on that one? I don't even know if I could name two assistant coaches in the NBA. <laughs> well, Kenny Atkinson from Golden State and Darvin Ham from Milwaukee are number one and two. But number three is Scott Brooks, who is in Portland. So shout out to Scott Brooks. That's cool. Also, he got 10% of the vote and tied with him was David Vanderpool from Brooklyn. So that's kind of an interesting thing. You know, we did we did get some mentions there. Just scanning this real quick. What team has the best home court advantage? This is another interesting one. Do you want to guess? I don't think it's going to be the Knicks, although it should be. I'm going to say probably Golden State. I'll, I'll say Golden State. You would be wrong. It oh. is. Do you, do you want to take a second guess? Or you want me to just tell you? Tell me. Utah Jazz. Stop it. Really? And not only that, not only that, Utah Jazz got 47% of the vote. I, I heard it's a difficult place to play, but I mean, to be the most, that's surprising to me. That's surprising. I, it's surprising to me as well. I've never heard what a player go, oh man, outside of like being afraid of being called racial slurs, I've never heard of a player say, don't want to play in Utah, man. That crowd can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's new for me too. I, I the only thing I can think is just the last year as well as they did. Maybe they have a I good crowd. They have a good crowd, but yeah. I wouldn't put it over Golden State's crowd. I wouldn't put it over Portland's crowd, and I wouldn't put it over New York's crowd. Yeah, I agree. Number two is the Denver Nuggets. Oh, that's the elevation. That's what. Yep, it is. and that's that's an interesting thing because it says best home court advantage. It doesn't necessarily say best fans. Um, oh, so, okay. I still don't know why Utah Jazz would be number one, but I d it does make sense with Denver. That's something that I've said over and over and over is Denver, to me, should always have one of the best home records in the league because they're playing in such high elevation and that has such an impact on your ability to breathe. But in yeah. a sport like basketball where it's very important to breathe, right. um, you, you they should have an advantage. And it should also put them at an advantage overall because – they're used to training in that, and then they're going into other cities. Like, that should give them an advantage overall. Denver should have 12 NBA championships is what Dia is saying. Basically, I mean. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> so that they were number two. Number three was your Knicks. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. I hear you. good things about Madison I, Square no, Garden. I, I, I know I'm coming off as arrogant New Yorker right now, but there is not another place in this country that I've been to in any sport that compares to the home court advantage of Madison Square Garden. But you have not been to the Moda Center in Portland, which comes in number four. Number four is oh, okay. Portland. And it's interesting. I, I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but I had the opportunity. I've had the opportunity a couple times to um, to photograph Alan Crabb, who played for the Trailblazers. And um, in one of our conversations, he was talking about what it was like to walk onto that floor. And he said, you can actually feel the fans on that floor. It shakes. Um, and he's obviously played at, in other arenas and, and didn't, that was not the case. So that's pretty cool to hear. You know, Portland has, has we have great fans. Um, yeah, you do. From an outsider's perspective, it, I, I've always respected the fans and I've always thought that arena has been very loud and very into the game. In the, I've always thought that. And the Blazers have the nicest uniforms in the league as well. Always was have, a fan of the Blazers brand. Branding. Yeah. Yeah. We have great branding. 
Um, there are some teams that I would not want to wear there. You're not going to wear any Pelicans gear? So, <laughs> I mean, I'm still a little bitter at the Pelicans for knocking us out of the playoffs. Oh, wow. You have not forgiven anyone on that team. Drew not. Holiday, Anthony that was, Davis, Rondo. I mean, I, I like didn't even really know the Pelicans were a team before that. If we're being honest. <laughs> Like, who is this team playing? <laughs> also, who comes up with the Pelican? Like, I'm not to rag on because the team's great and there are players on that team that I really respect and like. But the Pelicans, I mean, and the Nets, like, we should get into a conversation about mascots. The Nets and, is a, that's a horrible team name. The Nets is that's a like someone just name. gave up and they were like, "What could we? Yeah. Oh, a net. A net seems like yeah. a good mascot. Like, we might as well call them the the New York Balls." Or basketball. The, the ba- basketballs, basketballs would be a lot better than balls, <laughs> for sure. Yes, the New and York. And I'm fired. <laughs> um, hey, let's so... go to the Bulls game. Let's go to the Bulls game. It sounds like you're saying Bulls because you have a New York accent. Oh, that's right. Maybe we've been cheering for the wrong team all along, and it's actually been the Bulls, but they just say it with a Chicago accent. We all thought it was the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. I should. I should not be podcasting it. No. 10 o'clock at night because I make dumb jokes. Okay. Which player is the most athletic? Do you want to guess this one? This is fun. Most athletic yes. player in the yeah. league? That's yep. a great question. Um, I'm going to have to pass on this one. I, I have no idea who this could be. Really? I don't yeah, know. You're I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. It is Zion Williamson. Okay. You got most I athletic. Uh, followed by Giannis um, and then Anthony Edwards. Zach Levine, which I think is an interesting one. Zach is probably who I would have guessed. Okay. Uh, ja Morant. Ja I would have put LeBron James up there. Um, he, LeBron is older. That's the reason why I didn't say him to start. Because if this was like 10 years ago, it would absolutely have been LeBron James. But LeBron just does yeah. as, as athletic. Like, same thing with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is one of the most athletic players to ever play the game, but he's not True. as athletic True. as he was They're in not prime, in their prime so. now. The reason I bring this one up is because Derek Jones Jr. Uh, received votes on this. I know he's no longer a Portland Trailblazer, but we have a soft spot for him anyway. So Derek <laughs> Jones Jr. received votes uh, as the most athletic, and, and I like that. Okay, so which player is the best leader? You want to guess? Damian Lillard. LeBron no, James. No, he was not number one. No, LeBron. he was not number one either. They're both on there, though, right? I'll tell you after you make your final guess. <laughs> Giannis is probably the best leader. No, the answer is Chris Chris Paul. Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was. Oh, man. Chris Paul was number one with 43%, followed by LeBron James. And then in third was Damian Lillard. Um, I would argue with this. I think Dame should be above LeBron. Honestly, maybe even Chris Paul. Uh, Oh, 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 relax, 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 relax. LeBron, you could sell me. Chris Paul, I don't know if you can. Dame is a different kind of leader. Um, In my opinion, Dame is a leader not only on the court, but off the court as well. And I don't even think that's an opinion. I mean, we see that over and over again. The guy is, you you could name the most trouble player in the league. Maybe right now we call that Ben Simmons, who's causing a ruckus. Um, Maybe in the past we call it James Harden, who caused a ruckus, whatever. You bring any of those guys to Portland, and I believe that they will fit and they will mesh and they will play well because of Damian Lillard. Um, And to me, when you have somebody who can do that with literally any, I have no doubt that would happen with literally any player. To me, that is 
the making of a of a best leader. I do agree with you that Dame is a fantastic leader. I just think Chris Paul is the leader of leaders. I think so highly Chris Paul. It took me four guesses to guess Chris Paul is leader. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Dame for sure should be on there, 1,000%. Yeah, and he is. He, he was number three. There has been a new rule implemented that basically keeps an offensive player from creating their own foul by diving into a defensive player. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, it's a perfect way. Okay. Yeah. Because in the past, you could essentially draw a foul by leaping into somebody and giving a half-hearted shot. And so this rule takes that option away. And that happened yesterday with Steph Curry. There's debate about whether this is a good rule or not, whether people like it or not. Personally, I like it. I'm a fan of the rule. Anything to make the game more pure, to make players play better, better basketball, I like. I don't like when people purposely do stuff like that. I mean, I know that there are certain things that are part of the game, like taking a charge and and things like that. I, I get that. But in this case, when you get players that are that know full well they're not going to make a shot and they jump into a defender in hopes of drawing a foul. That bothers me. I don't like that a guy can get a foul called on him for something that he really didn't have any control over. That just is not my favorite. So I like this rule. I think it's a good rule. I think it's going to be fun to watch this year when those kinds of things aren't called. What do you think? What do you think of this? I think it's a good rule too. I I do think there's a little gray area and there's some nuance to be said for this too, though, because I do think... You know, getting your defender up in the air is an actual basketball move that you can take advantage of. To me, I think the foul should be called if it's a natural shooting motion. So if I get you up in the air, Dia, and you jump, you know, with your 40-inch vert that you have, and I go for a layup I am like I regularly do, <laughs> and I get hit by you, but I'm in a natural shooting motion, I think a foul should be called. I have a problem when they get the defender up in the air. And the defender's like five feet to the right, and they jump to the right to get into the defender. And then that's when they shoot the basketball, where it's like you're just jumping into the defender. You're not even shooting the basketball. So I think those need to be completely eliminated. I think the no call on Steph yesterday was a good no call. I think it's a great rule because I wouldn't say it ruins the game, but every time it happened for the past few years, I would roll my eyes or, you know, sigh out loud, like, really? Like, this is this is dumb. And I'm glad that they're doing something about it. Although I do think that there is a little bit of a gray area. And I do think that it should be called sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean very rarely in the rare circumstance that the defender's up in the air and the shooter has a natural shooting motion that he would have had if the defender wasn't there. Okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. Again, to me, anything that makes the game more pure. And I think that's a fair assessment. That is, I kept wanting to say assumption and that wasn't right. So that's really that's really all I had. You know, I, I think looking forward, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to ask you this to end because okay. Dave and I did this on the last podcast. And I'm curious as someone who is not a trailer, I tend to be optimistic. Dave tends to be a little more, we'll call him realistic. I want to know as a non-Blazer fan, Trailblazers over under is 43 and a half wins. What do you think? How many wins do you think they're going to have? In the, the regular season. So this is not me just saying this. I actually put my money where my mouth is. So I have money on this, which means you know I'm telling the truth. I have the Blazers going over. I think this is a solid team. I think they're a playoff team. I think a lot of people are forgetting how good they can be. I think a lot of people are forgetting how good they are. I mean, this team made the playoffs last year. They have been making the playoffs since Damian Lillard has been on this team. I think they've improved defensively. 
um, by getting Larry Nance, even someone like Cody Zeller, who's not fantastic, but can help a little bit, and they got a little more athletic. Um, I like what I saw from Anthony Simons. I think they win about 47, 48 games. That's where I would put it. Wow, okay. Yeah, 47. I'll, I'll give a definitive number. I'll say 47. I think that's about what Dave put it. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I think I want to say it was around there. I said 52. <laughs> 52 is a lot, T. Oh, my God. I know it's a lot. <laughs> I have confidence in my yeah, team. 52 is ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> All right. We'll see. We'll see if it's ridiculous Listen, at the end of the season. You could be right, though. Like, that's the thing. Like I, I absolutely here, could be right. You 1,000% you could be correct. You know, they yep. they have talent. It's not like they don't have talent. They can figure things out defensively. Well, we, we could be playing this back in a few weeks or in a few months, and you'd be laughing at me. So um, I fully plan on that. We can get popcorn. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I appreciate you, Josh. I appreciate you jumping on here at the last minute and kind of filling in for Dave. Um, you know, as always, we're grateful for, for what you do for us on this podcast with producing and editing it. Josh, do you want to you wanna just kind of – we don't usually do this because everybody knows where to find us, but do you want to just kind of <laughs> shout out what you have going on and, and tell us where we can find you if we want, if people are looking for you? <laughs> Why am I so awkward? Josh! If, <laughs> if, if you like this episode and like me as a human being and want more of my basketball takes <laughs> – how do you, like, how do you, this is not something I'm used to doing because everybody knows where me and Dave are. We interact all the yeah. time with people from this podcast. So it's like, what do you say to like, tell us what you have going on, Josh? Where are you? Like, I feel like, like a game show said. announcer. Literally, what, literally just what you said is how you ask. It. All right, we'll do that. All right. Well, you can follow me, my personal account at Josh underscore Rodriguez underscore on all social media platforms. My podcast, Dime with Josh Rodriguez, is on all podcast platforms, and you can follow that social media at the Dime NBA and make sure you do so because I do fun things like ask polls that are aired on my show and Twitter segments that are aired on my show as well. And if you really, really like me and want more stuff that I produce and all that good stuff, I produce a show called Certified Buckets for Uninterrupted. I don't host it, but I'm the producer, uh, the lead producer for that show. It features Ashley Nicole Moss, Christian Winfield, who's a beat writer for the Brooklyn Nets, and Lethal Shooter, who is uh, basically a shooting coach for half of the NBA. So tune into that. Thanks, Dia. Yes. Do all of the above. Do all of it. Do all of it. I've I've gotten to be on Josh's show, The Dime. Uh, I'm anticipating that uh, I will get to do it again because Absolutely. I didn't butcher it too bad the first time. No, it was so a great episode. I I think I get to come back. So um, you can you can check, check that episode out, out. whether I'm on like, it or not. It was like a week before Stotts <laughs> got fired, and the episode's called "Keeps Terry Stotts Around." So. Obviously, Dia has some bad juju. I'm basically a mind reader. Oh, man. We should call this one, we're going to win all the games. We're going to win. That's it. That's the only all thing I'm going to say. Undefeated. First team to ever go undefeated in the NBA. Oh, man. Imagine. That's not a real take, people, just no. so you know. All right. Well, Josh, thank you for joining us. Um, as always, you can find us, me and Dave. Josh, too. He just told you where. But you can find me and Dave on Twitter. You can interact with us there. Um, you can leave a comment on the, on the post on the Blazer's Edge. Um, I don't know how Dave ends this because he always ends it. And I had the same problem the last time you were on this. I also didn't know how to end it. So I'm going to end it with this. Let's go, Blazers. Win them all. Every single one. You just should have stopped at Blazers. You should have stopped at Blazers. <laughs> I can I ever... 
Do I ever stop at just Blazers? No, we're going to win a championship. Go team. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent.